Welcome to the Imperfect Church Podcast, the podcast for the imperfect church and the imperfect pastors that lead them. I'm Ryan Reed. And I'm John Martin. And this is the Imperfect Church Podcast. Yeah, Ryan, good to be with you again today. Good to be with you as well. Today is a special day for us. Yeah? Do you know that? No. Why? I saw it this morning. Today is our friendversary on Facebook. You're kidding. I really did not see that this morning. Four years. Four. We've been, we have a friendversary. And this shows that just anybody, anybody can be friends. Cause when I first met John, I thought, what a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought a lot of things too, but we won't talk about those. That's right. That's right. That's probably good. But I'll tell you what we will talk about. What tell is me. Our, what is our, um, topic for today? Missions. We're going to talk about missions in the imperfect Church. Missions in the imperfect church. We have to begin, of course, with a theology of missions. Theology of missions. Let's I think that helps us. That's right. I think that helps us move into the practice when we get the theology right. That's right. Uh, so I would say, just right out the gate, that our theology of missions needs to begin with God's mission. Yeah, okay. Singular. Yep. So uh, God, from Genesis 1 all the way to the end, we mm-hmm. see that God's mission is to bring his name glory through yep. the salvation of humanity. Yep. And I would add to that, God's, our theology of missions needs to include the Great Commission. Right. That we've been given by God. Right. Right, so from be fruitful and multiply, which is kind of an Old Testament great commission, all the right. way to Matthew, go to the ends of the earth. Sure. Um, so that is that that is that is kind of the uh, the railway of our of our mission engagement. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think you know as we think about the work of missions, immediately some things come to our mind that we'll talk about. But at the root level of it, no matter what. The outplaying looks like on the mission field. At the root level, it has to be redemption mm. and making disciples. Yep. yep. So, I, I, and it's hard for us because sometimes redemption and making disciples is a lengthy process mm-hmm. that you can't accomplish in five days in Haiti or right. five days in Montana, right. right? So, so that's not as uh, glamorous, I would say, sometimes. Mm-hmm. But that has to be the root, right? So yeah, that's, that's good. That's the root. Now here's the question. Um, why do we go and make disciples? What is our motivating factor? Yeah. So I, I think there's a few things. First of all, because we want to see disciples made, we're motivated to do that. But I think as we place people in uncomfortable situations where they're participating in making disciples, uh, maybe it's, uh, it, it helps them as they come back home to be fruitful and making disciples where they live. Right. So it's a, um, kind of a, a shot in the arm type thing, a revitalization, rejuvenation process. But I think it's also good for us to understand and to communicate to our churches. I, I think John Piper says it best. Um, missions exist because worship doesn't. Yeah. Uh, God is worthy of worship from sure. every tongue, tribe, nation, uh, every person who ever walks the earth. God is worthy of their worship. So our goal as pastors is to educate our people into that and then give our people an opportunity uh, to bring the name and message of Jesus to those people and call Mm -hmm. them to worship Mm -hmm. him in discipleship. Yeah, I I think that's exactly right. John John Piper, of course, says that in Let the Nations Be Glad, I believe. Mm -hmm. And one of the 
most fantastic books ever written on missions. Mm-hmm. Let mm-hmm. the nations be glad, in my opinion. Yeah. And, and in that book, he does. He, he says that, that we are the means also by which these people right. enjoy worship, mm-hmm. right? And so we need to be pressed out for our own discipleship, which is what I was saying earlier, but also so that people can begin to worship him. And ultimately, God is glorified. Mm-hmm. When people are introduced to Jesus in old in other parts of the world, right and in our nation, and I would say I, I would echo. Uh, we mentioned John Piper, but I would say another theological giant that I think for me lays the groundwork for for my theology of missions is Carl Henry, because uh, mm, we got of course, Carl uh, but Carl Henry's <laughs> Carl uh, F H Carl F H Henry. Don't forget it. So <laughs> uh, Henry's theology of missions begins with the God who speaks, the mm. God who reveals himself, mm. uh, right? So in the Old Testament, the prophets mocked the false gods who had a mouth but couldn't speak, that had ears but couldn't hear, and they made no sound in their throat. Mm. And Henry says that we serve a God who speaks and reveals himself, and because of that, we understand salvation. And if God speaks, then his message is sufficient to yeah. save, and it's sufficient for life. Yeah. Uh, and so why do we go? We go because our God has spoken and we are heralds of this message. Yeah, yeah. And in and in his speaking, not only has he revealed himself to us, but he also has revealed to us that this is an expectation mm-hmm. of those that have been redeemed. Right. So it's an expectation of those that are supposed to that we are supposed to, excuse me, go and share the gospel. Yeah, the I nation. love uh we have a, a pastor in our association. Who got his, uh, his, uh, higher degree, uh, and R.C. Sprawl was one of his teachers, right? So R.C. Sprawl is teaching this class with, uh, largely reformed emphasis, uh, pastors at Reformed Theological Seminary. And so he asked the question, why do we need missions if God is sovereign, right? That's mm-hmm. the complaint. And so uh, there's silence because this formidable giant has asked this question. And finally, one man kind of raises his hand and says, because God told us to. And Sproul <laughs> yeah. says, oh, oh, so the sovereign of the universe says to go and proclaim to the nation. So that ought to be a good enough reason. Yeah. Uh, yeah and, yeah. and you know, regardless of your theological leaning, that's, that, that is our ground point because God yeah, tells is. us to go. Yeah. And you know, I think there's a fallacy out there too about different theological leanings mm-hmm. and their, their belief system about missions. But, uh, ultimately, whether you're reformed, or not, you look at the Gospels and you see that it's a demand of Jesus. Right. And anyone who loves Jesus, again, regardless of their theology, is going to say obedience. Right. Obedience, obedience is our call. And so when you talk about this theology of missions, ultimately it boils down to being obedient. Right. And so we would say, we would echo what Spurgeon says, uh, if you're a Christian, uh, you're either a, a missionary or a liar. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so that leads us to the sticky situation of what do you do when you can't go? Yeah, and there there are people who physically cannot go. And I and I understand that, but I want to say uh on the onset of this that that just because you say you can't go does not mean you can't go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like there are people who cannot go and do missions locally, nationally, or internationally, but those are few. There, right. there are there are many of us who can go, but have just decided that it's not it's mm-hmm. not something we desire to do. Right, and so we say that. So I, I would be careful first to say, "Are you sure you can't go?" Right, and and also let's qualify what going means. Okay, um, so. Everyone can 
go somewhere. <laughs> right. Uh, unless you are a immovable rock. <laughs> right. Mean, right. Uh, what even even we have uh, we have uh, we have a, a member in our church, a sweet lady who recently uh, through uh, through health issues is now homebound and. I bet you anybody that walks in her door, she is she is shining the love of Christ mm, to, mm. Uh, and and that's missions, right? And she's also the same one that though she lives on meager means, anytime we have a mission trip, she's going to give me or somebody else twenty bucks right. to go to the pot, right? right to to right. help fund it, and that's what I think is is our our heart. If we can't physically go to the nations. Uh, then it's the, the William Carey, Andrew Fuller. Yeah, uh, I'll go down into the well, but someone needs to hold the rope. Sure, sure. And and I'll say something that we talked about a few episodes ago when we were talking about Vacation Bible School. There certainly needs to be an emphasis for a group of people that are warriors interceding on our behalf yes. by those that are going. And so I don't want to diminish that responsibility. No, if anything, that's more important. It, it is. And so, uh, though, what you're talking about, holding that rope, I can't go, but I can hold the rope, mm-hmm. right? And so that means if you can't go, then, uh, there is an expectation there that you are holding the rope, that those of us that are gone can have great confidence that there are men and women that are interceding on our behalf as we're going. There are things you can do. Right. If you really can't go. And, and those things that you can do, are more important even than the work that we're doing. Right. So let's get deeper into our topic with our uh, our segment, Dead Men Talking. And this week we have a dead woman talking. Yeah. Uh, we as are, we should. As when we you talk should, about right? missions, how can we not talk about oh, Lottie Moon? If, if there is one area in Christian history where women have shined yes. and have outshined men, it is through mission work. It um, is. I, before you do the dead men walking, I, I want to say in show notes, we're going to put the video of the International Mission Board dinner from the Southern Baptist Convention this past year. It is tremendous. Mm-hmm. David Platt tells a story or the story mm-hmm. of Lottie Moon's call into the ministry and her response also to the people that were at home. Right. Is phenomenal. So, yeah. so check that out. Go ahead. So Lottie Moon is more than just a Christmas offering that Southern Baptists do every year. Yeah. Uh, she was a dear saint in the Lord, and her quote on missions is, How many there are who imagine that because Jesus paid it all, they need pay nothing, forgetting mm. that the prime object of their salvation was that they should follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ in bringing back a lost world to God. Man. Lottie. Mm. A woman who gave it all. Yeah, literally. I mean, she she gave every, away everything that she had for the sake of other people's mm-hmm. redemption. You know, that, and what a tremendous. small price! Yeah, what a small price for the redemption of the world. Man, isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? I mean, we we think about Lottie Moon. I think uh, as an offering, many of us don't really even know who Lottie Moon was. Right? We think about uh, maybe a WMU play. Have you ever seen that? No, I haven't. Huh? No. You are. I'm not real sure that you're real true Southern Baptist. Man, I'm. I'm born you don't and know. Bred. You don't know the chords to stand up and sit down at Bible school. Well, you don't know GBA, Bill Shores Baptist Assembly, and you don't know. You've never seen the Lottie Moon reenactment play. No, I have not seen that. Goodness gracious, alive! And you know, a lady who made sugar cookies. Oh, I've, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know that. Okay, so I know about sugar cookies. She's <laughs> she's more than that, though. I'm telling you. This woman was a warrior for the gospel, mm-hmm. and uh, everywhere that she was, 
everywhere she was. And she, she sets an example for all of us. Uh, it's funny in that, uh, little video that we're going to post, David Platt tells a story about how the Methodists were really, uh, collecting more money at the time for missions than Baptists mm-hmm. were. And Lottie Moon writes a letter back to the States. It goes, you know, I know you all are sitting comfortably at home. You know, I mean, honestly, it's yeah. dishonest, but you need to get busy doing something because the Methodists are collecting oh, yeah. more money for missions right. than we are. So she wasn't only a missionary. She was a fireball for oh, missions. Yeah. Yeah. You know, she believed in the theology of missions. That's right. And so she was there to do it. And, and she was there to make disciples. Right. Mm. So when we think about missions, it's, it's, uh, there's many avenues for us to go. And we certainly want to encourage if there's anyone listening that feels called to full time missionary work, uh, look at those avenues. There are journeyman program, the IMB, there's other missionary organizations, uh, North American Mission Board, church planting. These avenues are wide open and we encourage you to look into those and to go to that. But as local pastors leading local churches, uh, where do we find some of these partnerships? Yeah. And you know, I, I would say as a Southern Baptist minister, the first place that I look is Southern Baptist entities, like mm-hmm. what you're talking about, International Mission Board and North American Mission Board. Um, so we, we begin there trying to find partnerships for, uh, for the work of the gospel. I, admittedly, our international partner is not connected to the Southern Baptist Convention. Mm-hmm. And, uh, just because of a relationship that was already established, which I think is really important. Right. So if you, if you have a guy, a family in your church who leaves Midway Baptist Church, for example, right. and they move to Montana mm-hmm. to be missionaries, your church right. is going to partner That's with them. That's right. It, I, naturally, they're going to be a partner. And right. I think you look for those relationships, it it helps it helps your missions and endeavors. So let's think, how, how many mission engagements does your church have? So right now we only have the international engagement. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're, we're looking at partners, uh, one potential partner in Connecticut yeah. and then another in Las Vegas that we're taking vision journeys for, okay. uh, in the, in this year. So your Montana one, or, I mean, your, um, Haiti, your Haiti one. Yeah. Um, that's based on relationship, right? It is. Yeah, so our church is, is similar. We have, uh, two mission engagements, mm-hmm. um, every year and both of those are based on relationships. Yeah. Neither one, being specifically Southern Baptist, uh, are, are, uh, we take a trip every year to Montana. Uh, that was established before I arrived at the church, and it was established through relationships. Right. Um, a man in our church was invited to go on a mission trip with another church mm-hmm. who ended up by God's providence in Montana, and uh, he brought that to our church and built a relationship. Yeah. We, we take a trip to Huntsville, Alabama. And we did that because uh, my brother-in-law was invited to a tire shop discipleship um, breakfast thing, and they said, hey, we're going on a mission trip next week, and my brother-in-law's crazy enough to say, I'll go. Yeah. Uh, and then he brought me along the next year, and, and that connects it. And right. so I think those relationships are so important because if you don't have a relationship, you know somebody who does. That's right. There is someone connected in your church who has someone who knows someone that is a missionary in North America right. or a missionary mm-hmm. in an international mission board. I just believe there has to be a connection there somewhere. And I'll say, too, though our though our relationship is what initially connected us to our partner in Haiti— Doctrine and theology is also important. Right. So, so, you know, I, I wouldn't say don't let, don't, I will say don't let that be the only thing that connects you. Right. You know, I mean, we, I believe in the, the doctrine that the minister there is carrying. Right. 
I believe in the practice that mm-hmm. they're accomplishing as well. One of the things that's important for us as a church is that international work be indigenous mm-hmm. and it also be self-supporting. Right. So the reason our partner in Haiti is what it is is because it is indigenous. There's a, there's an, a Haitian pastor and it also is self-supporting. The church exists even if the white man doesn't come. Right. Mm. And so those are things that are important to us when we look at international partners. And I know, you know, don't, don't message us. I know that there are times that that's not possible. Message us. <laughs> yeah. There are times that, that that's John not possible, but, but you need to be working towards that. Do it. Ultimately, you need to be doctrinally and theologically connected. Yeah. That's, that's important. I'll let to him me. that. And, and so, you know, even our North American Mission Board partners, we want to be doctrinally connected. Right. right. We want to make sure that we have a connection more than just uh, brother cousins, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we want to make sure that we have a, a greater connection, the gospel. We want to make sure mm-hmm. we understand that and we can approve of their mission work uh, because it's That's the same right. work that we're doing here in the States. And I would say those partnerships, too, can look different. I mean, right. it, it can be you can have one partner that all you guys are doing are holding the rope. Mm-hmm. Right. You can have another partner that you're financially supporting significantly. Right. You, you can have another partner that you're actually engaged in their work doing. Mm-hmm. So I would say, you know, don't 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 limit yourself either in what you can do, which I think it brings up another subject that we need to talk about. And that is every church can be a partner to a missionary. Right. So I and you know it doesn't be a large it doesn't have to be a large church right and we believe you know we're Southern Baptists we believe in the cooperative program we do and and we think the cooperative program is a good way that every church can partner but if there had to be a negative side of the cooperative program it could be that many of our churches say we do missions we mm. give to Lottie Moon we give to Annie Armstrong right through our cooperative program dollars we support missionaries we've done enough yeah yeah and and you know. That is not obedient to the theology of missions that we've just said. Right. I, I, I appreciate it, and I press my congregation to give to those offerings right. greatly, mm-hmm. but that in and of itself I do not think is obedience to the theology that we've talked about. Halfway obedience isn't obedience. That's right. That's right. So so we've got to put feet to the making disciples and the theology of missions that we that we've established. So when when we talk about short term missions, uh, we we have a lot of jokes that go along short term missions. Like that's exactly what those missionaries need yeah. that youth group to come and halfway paint a paint a fence, you know. <laughs> right. um, so uh, I, I found a, a quote in Credo Magazine, and we'll we'll publish the article in the, in the show notes. And I thought it, it um, had a very astute uh, observation here, and it says, "Sadly, short term humanitarian based trips." have become the norm, and with this, an over-romanticizing of missions has taken place. When one finally sees what mission work actually entails, he's left shocked and speechless. The real work of missions consists of broadly, both broadly and particularly preaching the gospel message with the ultimate intention of planting healthy, self-sustaining indigenous churches. Yeah, so let's start back at the beginning. The theology of missions is mm-hmm. the foundation of what we're doing. It's right. making disciples. And okay? also understanding that William Carey, the father of modern mission, labored for seven years before a single convert. That's exactly right. Adoniram Judson labored for six years, mm-hmm. lost two wives and multiple children before he saw a major convert, right? Yeah, and I think that's the that's the hard part of missions for a church is that we want to go and see some immediate results. And we do this. First Baptist Church, 
we go and put glasses on people that can't see. Yeah. We go and see to medical needs because we have a medical clinic connected to the congregation that we work with. We go and see to medical needs when they're there. And, and those things are, are okay to do, but that is not the reason why we're there. Right. right? The, and, and the those motivation. things are important. Because they are. one, how can a man hear the gospel if his stomach is empty? Uh, That's we, right. we need to understand that the gospel has a social implication mm-hmm. and we can't throw that social implication away because of political leanings or whatever else. Right. We need to understand that there needs to be a proclamation of the gospel and a social aspect that go together. Sure. The both, both of them have to be present if we're going to be obedient to the command that's been given to us as a church. So we want to establish a local church who can do the work of the gospel in our in our presence and in our absence, yeah. right? And so in order to get that church established, you may have to do some social ministry mm-hmm. in order to get the name of the congregation before people. Right. Uh, but ultimately, if you just go to hand out vitamins, go home, never connect to Jesus, never connect mm-hmm. to a local church— all you've done is humanitarian work, right, which right. is not what we've been called to alone. Right, right. right. So what is what is the, the pastor's role in this ministry? Part of it is doing what, what we're doing right now and making sure we have the theology right. Yeah. Uh, honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, I think the pastor's role is to say, church, we've got to make sure we're doing this correct. Mm-hmm. Because if we're not doing it right, what are we accomplishing this far for ourselves? Well, this is... The gospel wasn't just for our own self gratification. Mm-hmm. So I think part of the pastor's role is to, to establish proper practice in, in missions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are others. What, what do you say? Uh, I think you're right. Education is, is something that needs to happen. And, and I would say also more than education, uh, your church needs to know that missions is important to you. Yeah. And I think that's the beginning. And, and as we pastor and as we show our mission emphasis, that emphasis becomes more than just the pastor's emphasis. And we create churches who live and thrive on missions. Yeah. And so that becomes the church's emphasis. Yeah. So, because what we see a lot, a lot of times that happens is that the past, a new pastor comes in who loves Union, Mississippi, for mm-hmm. example. And so he wants to do missions in Union because right. he loves Union. And, uh, and, and that church does that while that pastor is there. That pastor leaves and guess what stops? The missions to union. Right. Right. Because it's not, he hasn't communicated that to be a love of the church. That's right. Instead, it's just been a love of his. Right. And so communicating that and, and helping your people fall in love. Right. With a mission endeavor, mm-hmm. I think is one of the things that we're responsible, uh, we're responsible for doing. So preaching, teaching, the pastor needs to go. Yeah. You know, I, it's not enough for me to tell my children, uh, you know, to do or to practice something if I'm not willing to practice it mm-hmm. myself. And the same is true for our church. You, you can't lead a church to go somewhere that you're not willing to go. Right. And that, and that begins with local and goes to regional, to, to national, to international. Uh, we need to understand that there are, there are many different avenues for missions and we need to model those well. Yeah, we do as pastors. And, and again, it doesn't matter how large a church is, right? These are all things that any size church pastor can do. Right. We talk about smaller churches and how do smaller churches do missions. And uh, of our churches, I, I serve a, a smaller country church. We're not First Baptist. Uh, we thought about changing our name. You are First Baptist Midway. First Baptist Midway. We thought about that. <laughs> uh, 
Um, but we have, we have a small church, uh, a smaller church. Uh, we have a, you know, a, an annual budget of around 80,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we do two major trips a yeah. year. Yeah. Um, and part of that is because our church believes in sacrificing for missions. Yeah. Which, and regardless of your size, you know, because it's like every household budget, the budget that you have is the budget you're going to spend. Right. Right. And so, if you have an $80,000 budget or an $800,000 budget, sacrifice means you have to make changes in that budget to do missions. And the $80,000 church that you pastor has decided to make a sacrifice. Right. And so should the $800,000 budget. Mission trips don't have to be expensive. That's right. Also, we have mission partnerships. Mm. So if you're a smaller church, uh, you're most likely in an association. Right. Uh, don't expect the association to plan the trip. And then maybe you can come along. Right. That's not the uh, way it's meant to be. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's bottom up, not top down. That's exactly so right. So give your associational missionary, uh, a call and say, Hey, man, uh, we're interested in doing some missions. Missions. Do you know anybody we can plug in with or a church right. we can go with? Um, what, what do we have here? You know? Yeah. And I, and I think if he doesn't, if he doesn't provide you an answer, then he's not being successful in his occupation. Right. <laughs> so call him and say, can you help? Can you help me find a place to get our people to serve? And uh, most of our, uh, I don't know what we call them now, mission strategists. Is that what you voted They on? are associational mission strategists. Most of Ames. Those will Ames. Be, will be happy <laughs> to plug your church in with, a, with another church. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Th- they would be happy to do that. And, and the church down the road would love for you to come. Right. So pick up the, and this is the important conversation about having relationships with your pastors. So, I mean, you know, you gotta, you gotta have relationships with your pastors, but have such relationships with the guy across the road that you can call and say, Hey, Ryan, we're not large enough to go by ourselves. Mm-hmm. Do you think three or four of our guys could go with you? Yeah. If a pastor tells you no, I would be shocked if he says you can't come with him on a mission mm-hmm. trip. So, so he's going to allow you to come. And, and we talk about building that mission fervor for a church. Yeah. Um, how do you do that? You call your buddy down the street that you befriended, who's a pastor, mm-hmm. and say, "Hey, we're going on a mission trip that's already planned. All your folks have to do is come on." Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah this that's is good. The, this is the set price. Y'all come on. And, and you know something else, just real quickly, as we try to as we try to close today, I I think it's good for us as pastors who who are able to do so to call other pastors and say, "Hey." First Baptist Union wants to pay for you to go with us. Mm-hmm. Will you go with us? Just as the pastor, will right. you go with us? And and maybe you help that pastor form a, a relationship with the missionary, and you're able to do something that he maybe wasn't expecting, but through a mentor relationship, you're able to to you, to address something that turns into something big for that church. That's good. That's good. Well, we could talk uh, for days on end yeah. on missions, and, yeah. and maybe we'll come back to this topic one day. And if you have, I mean, you guys have questions, and I mean, you have information too you know talk to us about partnerships on facebook and twitter and uh and maybe we can have another conversation later on yeah we we talked to several of our our facebook and twitter followers and just asked them the impact of missions in their life and you know several of our our listeners said perspective was such a big one gaining perspective the benefit of that um, there are too many benefits for missions, not not to even mention that we've been called by god almighty to do them uh, to leave this topic um undone well, before we wrap up, John, tell us what are you reading. I am preparing to go uh, to the beach for a week. Yeah, so that I have fun. Yeah, yeah. I have, I have some reading to do. First of all, I picked up a book. You've probably read it. 
Same kind of different as me. No, I've seen it everywhere. Yeah. And it's interesting. Tell me about it. Have I, you, I haven't start started. It? No, yeah, but it's, it's on my, uh, it's on my beach list. Ah, okay. Right. So it's fiction mm-hmm. novel, of course, I think. I thought it was nonfiction, <laughs> but I don't know. Is it fiction or nonfiction? <laughs> and, uh, the other one that I picked up is, uh, is one that just looked interesting to me. It's called Theologians You Should Know. Have you seen that? Uh, I've seen Baptist theologians. You should. Know. This is just theologians you should know, and I I think it's I haven't again I haven't read it yet. I'll let you guys know, but I think it's just a uh, overview of about six or eight uh, theologians and their theology and, okay. and things like that. It looked interesting to That's me. Neat, neat. Yeah, yeah. Neat what about you? What about you, Ryan? Well, I am currently reading the Gospel According to Daniel by Brian Chapel. Beth Moore? Uh, yeah, yeah, Beth Moore, The Gospel According to Daniel. Uh, now, this is Brian Chapel, and, uh, of course, he, Brian Chapel is known for his, um, cross-centered preaching. Mm. Uh, and so he, he basically goes through the book of Daniel with this method, and, uh, so far it's been, it's been very encouraging. Yeah. About on chapter six of ten chapters or so. Uh, and just, it's been a very encouraging soul, um, helping book. Good. So that's what I'm currently reading. And then I did start John G. Patton, Missionary. Um, and you are enjoying it, by I the really way. Tell everybody. It, it is. It, I, it was a little intimidating to begin, knowing the time period, uh, knowing that it was going to be a thicker book. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was going to be a lot drier. And, uh, man, I was laughing out loud yeah. when he was talking about being a schoolmaster and having to whip yep. some boys. Yeah. You know? I'm telling you, it is an encouraging book. And I, and I would say this too. You may, you may not want to read the whole thing. It's actually divided up into three books. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, you buy the one book, but it's in, it's in right. three books. So, uh, we, I, I just read the first book and, mm. uh, it's encouraging. It's good. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode on the Imperfect Church Podcast. We want to thank you for listening, and if you've enjoyed our podcast, please uh, rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, send us in any listener uh, questions, listener feedback. We love getting those. Uh, tell John how wrong he is, and we will see you next time. So keep loving your imperfect church, and remember one day she will be perfected in glory. Message us. Tell John how dumb he is. Do it.